Welcome to the 65th episode of Game of Thrones Abridged on Alt Swift X. Today we are trying uh, something slightly different uh, in our in our continued experimentation with this format of live streaming. This whole thing is an experiment, and we're trying to find ways to talk, ways to communicate in ways we couldn't before through the magic of the internet. We need a sound effect with uh, like magic sprinkled fairy dust, is that, 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 that sort of a vibe, when we talk about the magic of the YouTubes. Um, because theoretically this should allow some kind of like a conversation to happen, right? Between between this book and this Swift and this audience, right? That's the goal. Um, but so far the live streaming thing has had sort of mixed results. I think is fair to say. Uh, we've had some, you know, good banter. We've had some good back and forth. We've had some good stuff going on. But I think, I think, we need to experiment with other ways of doing it too. Uh, so for this episode of Game of Thrones: Abridged on Swift X, we have an official uh, Reddit thread, uh, which uh, you all can put questions in, uh, and while the show's going live. You can ask questions there, and I can respond to them. Uh, and you guys can upvote and downvote which questions are good. Because the problem with the continuous stream of chat is that it's 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 a bit of a mess, frankly. Um, I'm hoping that this link might um, this Reddit thread might be slightly more organised and a slightly better way to get uh, good ideas going back and forth. That's kind of the idea. But anyway. Anyway, use that link. Oh, actually, shit. Yeah, is it in? All right, we got the link. So the link is at the top of the description. If you'd like to ask a question, if you want a question or a comment responded to in this stream, go onto that Reddit thread in the top line of the description of this video, and we'll answer it there. But without any further ado, without any further fucking rambling, uh, let's get into the chapter. And this chapter is Daenerys 8. A Game of Thrones. Daenerys 8, the second last Daenerys chapter. Uh, I was wrong last episode when I said this was the last episode before we only have one chapter from HPOV, but now, after this one, we will. After this chapter, we only have one more chapter from HPOV before the end of the book, so we are very much nearing the end. Things are starting to get climactic, uh, and in this particular episode, uh, things get things get very messy. Uh, things go badly wrong. All of the shit hits all of the fans in this episode. So let's begin and find out how. So the chapter begins with a description of flies. We have flies circling Carl Drogo slowly, wings buzzing, thrumming at the edge of hearing, filling Danny with dread. So the flies represent, the flies are a bad omen. They're a bit like the crows uh, who come after wars and things in Westeros. The flies represent doom and death, and they fill Danny with dread. It's interesting that, um, it's interesting that Danny, Danny sort of explicitly says here that she's filled with dread, because that contrasts with some of the descriptions of emotion that we got from Tyrion in his recent chapter, because in Tyrion's chapter, 
George Martin was describing Tyrion's anxiety mostly through physical symptoms. He'd talk about how Tyrion was like trembling and sweating and, and, and felt like his stomach was all knotted and stuff. That's how he was communicating Tyrion's anxiety was through physical symptoms. But here in Danny's chapter, we mostly get uh, emotion described directly. Uh, Danny doesn't say that she was sweating and shaking. It says that she was afraid and, and experiencing dread. Um, so it's interesting the ways that the different characters express and experience their feelings, because uh, it does work very differently for different folks. Maybe if you wanted to be all gendered about it, you could maybe say that women might be more explicit and more directly aware of their own feelings, whereas men are more interested in uh, talking about the physicality of the symptoms and not admitting to the actual emotional content of their feelings. Uh, that that might be the case. I do. There are actually like psychological studies that show that different cultures uh, experience and describe and communicate physical and emotional anxieties in different ways. For instance, um, Asian cultures uh, uh, tend to describe anxiety in physical symptoms, as opposed to Western cultures, which are more inclined to describe anxiety uh, in. Um, in, in, in emotional terms. And that's not like a stereotype. That's something that's been found with a whole bunch of research. Um, co collectivist cultures apparently tend to talk more in terms of the, of the physicality and you don't acknowledge emotion in as much of a literal way in, in some cultures, according to research, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, but I suppose not surprising because, you know, different cultures, different groups of people have different ways of communicating. And of course, that does extend to emotions. So Daenerys here expresses her emotions explicitly, while Tyrion in the previous chapter was mostly talking physically. And you can chalk that up to gender or culture or whatever you want to do. Uh, but yeah, welcome everyone to the stream. Um, can, can you all go onto the Reddit thing? Is the whole Reddit thing working? So I'll go... Cool. All right. So yeah, we have questions appearing on uh, the Reddit. So the way I want this to work is instead of being constantly distracted by what's going on in the live stream chat, I'll be paying more attention to what's going on in this in this Reddit thread. And so you can use uh, you can use a Reddit stream thing, which which right, I won't go on on, but I'll keep an eye on the Reddit, uh, and I think that's where I'll respond to questions. So do upvote and downvote there if you want good stuff to rise to the top, and I'll answer the stuff at the top. Um, but, uh, yeah, won't answer anything right now. Uh, so there are flies and they are, and they are representing dread, uh, and Danny is not having a very good time. Uh, the flies, by the way, are not any regular flies. They're not, they're not your regular old house fly. They're not your regular old plumbus. These are some foreign SOC fucking Dothraki nasty ass flies. Uh, they are as large as bees, gross, purplish, and glistening. And the Dothraki call them blood flies. Uh, and so they suck blood from people. They suck blood from man and horse alike. And they especially lay their eggs in the dead and the dying. Um, which actual flies do, don't they? Uh, apart from the blood-sucking bit. But these flies are certainly a bad omen. And Danny describes uh, Drogo's attitude towards these particular flies. Drogo would always, when he saw these flies around, he would pluck them out of the air like a monk, like a Chinese monk that can capture a blowfly in chopsticks. Now that, that's a stereotype. See, that's the difference, guys, between, uh, between, <laughs> between a cultural stereotype and a, and a psychological research thing of, of, about emotional expression. Talking about Chinese monks and blowflies, that maybe you could say, all right, let's not even... But the point is, is that Drogo doesn't like these flies, uh, and that Drogo habitually would always respond to these flies by plucking them out of the, hand, out of the air with his manly-ass hands and just smacking them out, swatting them out. He's not 
a fan of bugs. Uh, and that's contrasted, that behavior that Drogo always had, his hatred towards these flies, uh, is contrasted to his response now, because we learn that Drogo now is not very well, and his response to the flies is different. Um, but, but it's interesting, like, when Danny is describing Drogo's old behavior to the flies, he describes how Drogo would, would capture the flies in his hand and he would hold them inside his hand long enough to hear the fly frantically buzzing before he'd squish the bug inside his hand. Um, I think it says something about Drogo that he, he, he chooses to allow the fly to freak out and suffer in his hand before he squashes it. Um... Not to say that flies, you know, necessarily have any kind of, like, ethical right to live or anything like that. But, I mean, Drogo seems to enjoy the flies suffering and screwing the flies out. Um, uh, so that, so that I think, is a somewhat disturbing character trait, enjoying causing suffering to animals. But, hey, mate, you know, it's just a fly. Who the fuck cares at the end of the day? Anyway, but now... The Carl is not doing any of those things. The Carl is not swatting flies out of the air because the Carl is a bit unwell. Uh, so uh, the Carl is unresponsive at the moment. He's sitting on his horse, but he's just staring into the distance and he's not talking. He's not responding to the flies that are flying around him. He's just not doing anything. And we describe how Drogo, uh, his condition has worsened uh, with this wound that he had on his chest when he got his his, his nipples, uh, his little his little Dothraki titty cut off. Um, uh, and remember how Miriam Asdur put that poultice on it, put that like treatment on the wound. Uh, but Drogo complained that, that the poultice was itching and burning, and so he tore it off after a few days. Um and replaced it with a Dothraki kind of healing, like a mud plaster thing, which was more soothing. And ever since, Drogo has been drinking uh, milk of the poppy, and he's been drinking uh, booze as well. So Drogo's been self-medicating a whole bunch to deal with the pain, which, by the way, we should remember, is exactly the opposite uh, of what uh, Miriam Asdur told Drogo to do. Miriam Asdur told Drogo, don't use pain meds, don't drink, use my poultice. And Drogo broke every one of those rules. So one of the questions that we'll discuss in this chapter and in and in the next Danny chapter is the question of what was Miriam Asdur's intentions? Because uh, as we'll learn, Drogo does not get better. Was that Miriam Asdur's plan? Or was she legitimately trying to get Drogo better? Did Miriam Asdur deliberately sabotage Drogo? I think the fact that, you know, Drogo didn't follow Miriam Asdur's instructions and he got worse suggests that he might have gotten better if he did follow Miriam Asdur's instructions. So maybe it wasn't Miri's plan to make Drogo die. But we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Um, another little glance at the Reddit. Uh, so yeah, the Reddit does seem to be sort of working. Um, as L asks, are you prone to tangents uh, in your everyday life? Uh, uh, well, well, does Swift have an everyday life, or does Swift only exist during the stream? That reminds me of something that um, happened uh, when I was walking down. The oh, that was a tangent. See, that was meta. Uh, and Moza 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 asks, there are two more chapters, uh, one that is mostly Danny dreaming after she miscarries, the second uh, is her dragons hatching from the fire. I don't blame Miri for, Dr for Carl Drogo's illness. Uh, I think Miri tried to save him. Yeah, so yeah, I, I agree. 
Mercer, Mercer, Mercer. Like, given that Drogo failed to follow Mary's orders on keeping the poultice and stuff and drinking and stuff, uh, I think I think that suggests um, it, it certainly isn't evidence that that Miri's treatment was hurting Drogo. Uh, like Drogo does complain that Miri's poultice was itching and burning, but we're later told by Miri that it was itching and burning because it had healing magic in it that was healing him. It's meant to itch and burn. Um, so I think it's very very plausible, at least, that Miri legitimately was trying to heal Drogo. Uh, so thank you for the comment, Mosa Mosa Mosa. Yeah, I think this Reddit thread thing works. Anyway. Um, so Drogo is Drogo did not respond to Miri's treatment properly. He's not been doing the right thing, uh, and ever since he has been getting worse. Uh, so he's barely been eating. He's been thrashing and groaning in sleep. His face is becoming drawn. Drogo is unwell. And Danny also mentions that Rago, her unborn child, is restless um, because, of course. Unborn children, just like dogs in movies, have a supernatural sense for when things are wrong, right? The dogs always bark when there's a ghost afoot, right? When the paranormal activities are, are going on, right? Dogs always know. In this case, I think unborn babies know when there's some kind of illness or some kind of darkness or some kind of fly-based insect omen happening. Uh, that uh, is something that the unborn child detects, perhaps. Anyway, um, so uh, Drogo's unwell, uh, and he's unresponsive, and Danny is very concerned. And one of the blood flies, those nasty-ass flies, lands on Drogo's bare skin and crawls around, uh, and Drogo doesn't respond. He just sways in the saddle, and Danny is very concerned by this. And the blood fly crawls up on Drogo's face and walks around, and Drogo is not swatting it off. So this is in contrast to Drogo's earlier behavior, where he would reliably destroy any fly that got near him. Now... He is unresponsive. Um, and Danny is trying to move up to Drogo and going like, yo, babe, like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and she reaches out to touch his arm and he falls off his horse. And that's bad. Drogo, Dothraki are not meant to fall off their horses. A Dothraki that cannot ride, cannot rule, that's what they say, but we'll get to that. But Drogo falls off his horse. Um... Uh, and even Drogo, in his, like, dazed-out delirium, realizes that this is a really bad thing. Uh, he gasps and says, my horse. Um, and Danny also freaks out. She's like, holy shit, he's fallen off his horse. So she goes down to, to, to the ground with him, and he's, and she's trying to, trying to tend to him, trying to look after him, but, uh, Drogo is still unresponsive. And then Drogo's blood riders, blood riders turn up, uh, and they're all like, um... And they're all like, shit, this is bad. He fell from his horse. Um, and Danny's like, uh, no, he didn't He didn't fall from his horse. He just dismounted swiftly. Uh, that was the old Dothraki swift doth dismount. It was the old planking technique. He deliberately landed flat on his face when he got off his horse. That was just to show off his disrespect for the ground. Drogo is a man... Drogo is a man who's he's so powerful, he has such disdain uh, for the earth itself, that he chose to dismount his horse uh, by landing with his face to the earth. That's just Drogo exhibiting his strength. That's what Daenerys says. Um, uh, and the other guys are like, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. And Danny's like, nah, look, Drogo just wants to camp here. Drogo wants to stop. We're done riding for the day. We're going to stop here. Um, and... Um, and all the blood riders are like, man, like, this is a shitty place to camp. We're in the middle of this, like, it's a super hot day. This is like a deserty place. This is an inhospitable place. We can't fucking camp here. And Danny's like, I order you to camp here. And, sh and they're like, we don't take orders from you. 
You may be the Khaleesi, but we don't take orders from you. We only take orders from Drogo, and Drogo ain't ain't saying much right now, girl. So we, we, what do you want to do? Uh, and Danny says, look, we got we're going to stop here, and you're going to say that it's Drogo who ordered us to stop here. Uh, and if you question me or if you don't obey, I'll tell Drogo when he wakes up, and he's going to be really mad. And so the blood riders, blood riders are like, eh, all right, I guess. And they're not happy about it, but they accept that and they storm off. Uh, so so Danny was only able to convince the Blood Riders by invoking uh, Drogo's strength when he gets better, because Drogo's strength is all that they'll listen to. Um, and Danny orders the Blood Riders to go get Miri Mazda. Uh, she hopes that Miri Mazda is her best hope to heal Drogo. Um... And uh, and again, the Dothraki express some consternation about Miri Mazdur. They they do not like Miri Mazdur. They think she's a witch. Um, and so the slaves put up a tent uh, for Drogo and Danny to chill in, uh, for Danny to try and get Drogo better. Um, and it's really hot. And heat is often, I think, an ominous thing. It's like in The Great Gatsby, heat, oppressive heat, can be a bad omen, just like the flies, just like anything else. It implies danger, it implies intensity, it implies rising emotions. Um, so the heat is a bad omen here. Um, and um, so there are pillows, and they put up all the furniture in the tent, uh, and Drogo is delirious, and he's saying, no, no, no. It would be amazing to get a bit of a glimpse inside Drogo's head right now if we got, like, a brief POV from Drogo's point of view, because I think Drogo is in a really bad place right now, psychologically. He's not... He's, like, semi-conscious. He's he's delirious. He's saying, no, no, no. He's freaking out. Um, I, I wonder what he's seeing, what he's thinking uh, in his wounded, feverish state. Um, it's like how it's like how Ned Stark, when he was feverish after after his horse-based injury, Ned uh, Ned was dreaming about the Tower of Joy and, and and Lyanna Stark and like digging deep into his psyche. That's what Ned did when he was feverish. Now Drogo's feverish. I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder what his big like like emotional conflicts and memories in his head would be that he's rifling through. It was really interesting in the show uh, that when Danny had those visions with the Undying, uh, she had this vision of like going out beyond the wall and then going inside a tent with Drogo and and her child Rago in like a vision where Rago had been born. That was an interesting sort of perspective on Drogo uh, and his relationship to Daenerys that we never got. Uh, in the books, um, we never, we never, we never get much at all from Drogo's point of view. We only really see him from the outside, and he's not very communicative. So, it, I, I don't know. Is is there a rich inner life going on within that Dothraki warlord? Maybe not, but maybe. Who knows? Um, I'll see if I can alter the sort of window situation again. The, this live streaming setup is not yet ideal, but we're gradually improving it. Uh, and I think it will eventually get better. Um, cool. Um, so, Drogo is unwell. They put up the tent, uh, and we are up to another page. Look how efficient we are being. Um, and uh, Danny makes sure that the tent is closed so no one outside can see in, uh, Drogo's state of delirium and weakness. Because, again, uh, Drogo's political power is only secure insofar as everyone believes that he is strong, and Daenerys's material safety and security is only in place so long as Drogo is politically powerful. So everything rests right now uh, on Drogo appearing strong, uh, regardless of whether he actually is. Uh, but it... it, it 
it, oh God, how do you pronounce that? Ero? Eroe? E-R-O-E-H. That's the name of one of the slave girls uh, who they took from Lazar, from the Lazarine, uh, who who Danny saved, well, quote-unquote saved, made her slave. Um, and Ero says, he dies, she whispers. And Danny's, Danny's measured response is to slap her across the face. This innocent slave girl, uh, Danny physically assaults because uh, Ero dared to point out the obvious that Drogo is dying. Uh, so as a problem. Um, and Danny does not want to believe that Carl that Carl Drogo will die. He cannot die, she says. He is the father of my child. His hair has never been cut because he's undefeated in battle. Uh, he, he cannot die. But then Jiqui says, well, he fell from his horse, which, which, which again is that super uh, important thing. And then Danny, her eyes are full of sudden tears and she turns away from them. Because uh, even she cannot deny that Drogo fell from his horse uh, and that means really that it's all over. Drogo, um, because a man who cannot ride cannot rule. Uh, and Danny's response to this crisis is to say, uh, let's run a bath. Which really, I, I think, is, is, is often the best solution to a problem. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you feel like there's too much going on in your life, when you just feel like you can't handle it, when you feel like you're about to be ousted politically and killed by the horse lords, try running a bath. It's amazing what a long bath can do to put your mind at ease. It might not it might not solve the political situation that you're going through, but it will at least make you feel much more relaxed, much more centered, and 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 squeaky clean. So there's that benefit too. Baths. The cure for all ails. Um and uh Drogo's unwell. And Danny is upset and uh, they try to cool Drogo down. They take off uh, his clothes and stuff, and they try to cool him down with silks, uh, with cold water laid across his brow over his burning skin, and Drogo looks at Danny, but he does not see her. Um, so he's really just fucking grunked out right now. Um, and they make the bath tepid water that stinks of sulfur. They sweeten it with oils and with handfuls of mint leaves. It sounds like a not entirely unpleasant cocktail. Uh, and yeah, Danny undoes Drogo's braid and takes out the bells, which is that strictly necessary, but he, but she does it. Um, and, and she tells herself that when he's well, he'll put the bells back on. Uh, but alas, that shall not happen. Um... And then Ago, one of the blood riders, says, yo, uh, Jorah the Andal is on the way. They, they, they call Jorah the Andal because Andal is one of the ethnic groups in Westeros of which Jorah is a part. All the Northmen are first men, or most of the Northmen are first men, whereas most of the Southerners are Andals. Um, and so uh, the Dothraki call Jorah the only Andal in, in the Kalasar. They call him the Andal, which is kind of a funny uh, nickname to have, your, your ethnicity. It's like if someone says, yo... The white guy, the black guy, the Inuit, the Native American, you know? Yo, I mean, that's that, 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 that might not fly in our society, but I mean, hey, if he's literally the only person of that group, I suppose it's a fair enough nickname. It's not like anyone else is going to turn around when you go, yo, Andal. Whereas if you went and said, yo, Dothraki, literally everyone would turn around. Except Jorah. So maybe if you had, like, a secret and you need to say, yo... All Dothraki know this, but, well, you could just say it in Doth... How, how good is Jorah? Jorah has... Jorah can speak Dothraki, can't he? But anyway, we're going off on a tangent. Oh, apparently it's Ernest's birthday. Happy birthday, Ernest. Have a lovely name day. Um, 
save me a slice of cake. Um, and so uh, they run a bath, because baths will solve all ills, uh, and Jorah comes into the room. And Jorah, by the way, is is looking fucking fresh right now. He's he's looking sharp. He might be an andal, but he's a sharp andal. He's looking... He's looking good, because uh, he's wearing uh, loose trousers of mottled sand silk, he's wearing riding sandals, and he's wearing a twisted horsehair belt. So people call Jorah the bear as a member of House Mormont, but I think I think Jorah ultimately is also a, uh, also a chameleon, uh, because he's adept to, to fitting into his surroundings, right? He adapts to what's going on around him. Uh, Jorah, after leaving the North, became a sellsword, for a while, a mercenary, and so he fit into that sort of mil- 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 milieu, mil- milieu, mil- mil- French. Um, and and now that he's among the Dothraki, he wears Dothraki clothing, and he does Dothraki things, and he wears um, what the Dothraki wear to adapt to this like hot environment, which makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, so yeah, as well as a bear, I think he is a chameleon. But he comes in and says, "Hey, I heard the news. I heard down the grapevine." Uh, that Drogo fell from his horse, uh, and Danny, Danny, uh, sort of confirms, but says, "Help him! You need to help me! You need to sort this out." Jorah is like the only person who Danny feels she can rely on right now, um, and so uh, Jorah comes in. And he's like, "All right, let's make an assessment of this situation." Doctor Jorah is on the case, uh, and so he says, "All right, Danny, send your handmaids out. So it's just you and me and Drogo, and let's have a look." under Drogo's poultice. Let's see his wound. Let's see just how bad this is. Um, and so uh, Jorah takes his knife and he scrapes away the leaves and the mud and, and, and the, the poultice. Would you really make a poultice out of leaves and mud? That doesn't seem very sanitary, does it? Although I don't suppose the SOC have germ theory. Uh, but they scrape away the poultice uh, and they open up the wound or they have a look at the wound and it is... <sighs> It's not messy. It's it is messy. It's not appetizing. It's not good. Uh it looks like Hellas Oyster's profile picture. Um it's 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 a mess. I mean the YouTube one, not the the YouTube one. It's a mess. There's there's blood and there's pus and and it is black with corruption. Uh it, it is a nightmarish fucking visage uh is 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 Drogo's wound where once there was a perfectly formed Dothraki nipple. Now there is only corruption. Uh, so that's very, very ominous. Um, and um, uh, is the stream okay? The stream seems to be complaining about poor buffering or poor health. I hope um, hope it sounds okay. Um, maybe we'll have to listen back to that one. Uh, and anyway, let's have another look at the, the Reddit to see if there's any especially highly updated posts. Um, not... Not especially at the moment, I would say. Anyway, um, so Jorah assesses the situation, and he says to Jorah, he says to Danny, eh, he's good as dead. That's my diagnosis. Dr. Jorah's on the case, uh, and his, uh, his assessment is that Drogo is not going to get better. Um, and so... And so Danny's like, but he can't die. He mustn't die. I will not let him die. And then Jorah says, man, that's... That's not in your power or mine. 
um, weep for him later. We've got to fucking be pragmatic now. Uh, Drogo's going to die, so we've got to leave. Your security and your position is entirely determined by uh, Drogo protecting you uh, and the status that Drogo gives you. When he dies, we're fucked, so we need to get out of here. You and me, we need to get our fucking shit together, and we need to leave. And Danny's like, what do you suggest? Where do we go? And Jorah's like, well, we've got to get as far away as we can. Let's go to fucking Ashai, mate. Let's not fuck around. Let's go all the way to Ashai. Um, because Ashai is like the end of the earth. It's like as far east as east goes, or as far as they know east goes. Uh, Ashai by the Shadowlands, which which is mentioned quite often in Danny's chapters in this first book. Uh, of course, it relates to like Quaith's whole prophecy of like to go west, you must go east. There've been lots of hints that Danny will go to Ashai, although it doesn't seem as though she will uh, now at this point in the story. Maybe there were original plans for Danny to go there, um, but not anymore. Um, but anyway, so now Jorah's saying, let's go to Ashai, because that's the only place we can be safe. Um, and then from there, it's a great port, so from there we can then get a ship to take us back to Pentos. Um, so it's going to be difficult, but we've got to do it. And this, by the way, is quite reminiscent of what happened in Ned's storyline when Robert Baratheon was dying. Just as Drogo now lies dying in Danny's chapter, um... Uh, King Robert once lay dying, and everyone was feverishly discussing what to do uh, when he dies. So I remember when Ned was approached by Renly, and Renly was like, "Man, we got to get our shit together. We got to be pragmatic. We got to like take over. We got to fight. We got to do what we got to do." It's quite similar to what Jorah is doing, coming up to Danny now and saying, "Look, Drogo's going to die, so we got to do what we got to do. We got to go over to a shire. It's going to be great. We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. We're going to wear a hat. We're going to be a bear. We're going to be a chameleon. It's going to be great. Let's do some shit. It's going to be swell." That's what Jorah says. Um, so. And by the way, that also <laughs> that that also come to think of it would be another great spin-off. In the same way that having like Marwan the Mage and Quaith and Melisandre and Miri Mazdur all just like hanging out in a shy as a sitcom. I would love to watch the story of Jorah and Danny and maybe her blood riders who were sworn or not her blood riders, but her but her, her cars, uh, her Dothraki bodyguard people. Uh, apparently they would come along on the journey. So you'd have these Dothraki and the pregnant Danny and Jorah the the chameleon bear all trooping off to a shy the most mysterious exotic location in the world of ice and fire wouldn't that be an interesting side spin-off story an alternate universe with where that journey happens would be pretty fun um so yeah that would be cool but alas it does not happen because danny's like no i'm not gonna leave i want to heal drogo uh and that takes us to the next page uh, and, uh, and yeah, so Jorah says that, like, we gotta leave, and Danny's like, well, but, but if, if Drogo dies, well, that just means that Drogo's son, his unborn son, my son, will be the next, uh, he, he'll be the next Carl, right? He'll be the next leader, and Jorah's like, nah, that's, that's absolutely not how it works. Uh, the Dothraki only follow strength, so they're not following a bloody infant, um, and they're not, they will not follow a suckling babe. And as soon as Drogo is dead, the Kalasar will, like, implode. Everyone will be fighting over who gets to be the next Carl. Um, people will be leaving, people will be killed, it'll just be a giant mess. And your unborn baby, the moment he's born, will be killed. Just like Aegon and Rhaenys, uh, Rhaegar's children who were killed at the sack of King's Landing. And Danny's like, why, why would they do that? And, and, and Jorah's just like, well, it's just the way the power works. If, if this infant is a potential rival to them as the son of Drogo, then they'll kill him. And, and you know, all the more because of this prophecy of the stallion who mounts the world, uh, who, who suggests that, that Drogo's son will be a great warlord and will take over the world. To make sure that doesn't happen, they'll probably just smash his head and feed him to the dogs. So 
uh, you got to look after yourself. You got to leave. Um, uh, and yeah, Danny recalls the story of uh, the death of uh, of uh, of Rhaegar's children. Um, and they also talk about how the Blood Riders, the Dothraki Blood Riders, the sworn bodyguards to Karl Drogo, uh, the deal is that a Blood Rider dies with his Karl. Um, they're, they're like these sworn blood bodyguards, and when the Karl dies, uh, the Blood Rider's job is to take the Khaleesi, Danny, to Vase Dothrak to be with the crones for the rest of her life. And then after the Blood Riders have done that last duty, uh, they join Drogo in the Nightlands. So we have a bit of a euphemism here for, I suppose, suicide. After a Karl dies, the Blood Riders have to kill themselves. Apparently, they just seppuku uh, all over all over the shit, which is which is dramatic. Um, I wonder if I wonder if they always go through on it. Um, but yeah, apparently the Blood Riders have to die. But Jorah notes later that since the Blood Riders are condemned to die when their Karl dies. That means that they are dead men walking, and a dead man walking has no fear. So a blood rider, when his Carl is on the last legs, can be uh, dangerous. Um, and so Danny reflects on how she doesn't want to go back to Vesdothrak. Um, she doesn't want to live with the crones forever. Um, and and she also thinks about how, and of course, you know, later on in Game of Thrones Season 6, she does go back to Vesdothrak, and she does meet the crones again, uh, but she doesn't stay there forever. Um, and, um, and she thinks about how Drogo had meant so much to her. Uh, he had been her sun and stars. He had been her, the shield that kept her safe, uh, and she had loved him. Uh, so th- there is a slightly uncomfortable tension there, I think, between the, the legitimate emotional love that Danny feels for Drogo and the simple fact that, uh, their relationship is the only thing that's keeping Danny safe and comfortable and alive. It's a combination of true love and of a necessity for material security. Those things don't always neatly go hand in hand sometimes, I think. Um, and uh, they bring Miri Mazdur into the tent. And Miri Mazdur does not look well. Uh, after applying the poultice to Drogo and all of that, Miri Mazdur has been having to walk behind the Kalasar with the rest of the slaves. So she is limping and haggard. Her feet are bleeding and blistered. There are hollows under her eyes. She is very unwell. Um, and the blood riders, Kotho and Hago, uh, when they see Drogo, when they come into the tent and see Drogo's open wound, uh, they, they freak out. They drop a chest that they were carrying of Miri Mazda's stuff, uh, and Kotho swears, and it's like, holy shit, Drogo really is gonna die. Which also means that we are gonna die, because we're the blood riders and we're sworn to him. So this, uh, is a bit of a problem. Um, and so Miri Mazda says, oh... That wound is festered. Uh, so in that way, uh, Miriam Azdu is doing a bit of a Hallis Mullen. Remember how Hallis Mullen was that guy in the last chapter who is famous for pointing out the obvious? Miriam Azdu here points out the obvious and says, uh, that, that giant mess of blood and pus where there was once a tit, uh, that's festered. That's gross. That's icky. That's bad. He's gonna die, son. Miriam Azdu points out that fact. Um... Uh, Subject X uh, asks a really interesting question, by the way, in the Reddit. Subject X asks, isn't Jorah a first man, not an Andal? Uh, And that is a really good point, because Jorah is, of course, of the North, uh, and most of the Northerners are first men. Um, Some of the first men are Andals, like the Mandalays, I think, are Andals, because they came up from the South. 
Uh, but Jorah is a Mormont of Bear Isle, and so you would think that Jorah is a first man. Uh, and yet, the Dothraki call him the Andal. Maybe it's the case that the, 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 the Dothraki think all Westerosi are Andals. Um, they don't understand the, the full ethnic diversity of Westeros, which is rather a classic thing that happens in the real world, right? Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, like like stereotypes and treatments of Asian people sometimes, often all Asian people get called Chinese uh, by some people, regardless of whether that Asian person might be Korean or might be uh, Vietnamese or might be fucking Tibetan. There are all kinds of flavors. There's all sorts of ethnic diversity, but other cultures, distant places, do tend to homogenize other ethnicities. Uh, so maybe it's the case that the Dothraki are like, yeah, he's from the West. He must be an Andal. He's from the East. He must be Chinese. Maybe it's that same kind of thinking. Um, but I don't know. That's actually a really good question. Um, maybe maybe, maybe there's another answer here that, that I don't know about. Um, is Jorah a first man or an Andal or something in between? Good question. Um, uh, and what other questions are there on the Reddit? Um, I think mostly this is stuff that we'll address later. Yeah. Um, yeah, Azel704 suggests that the whole Jorah the Andal thing is indeed a mistake uh, from the Dothraki. So yeah, maybe it is. Alrighty. Um, so... Uh, so the Blood Riders are real unhappy with Miri Mazda, uh, because Miri Mazda uh, is seen as responsible for the terrible condition that Drogo's in. Even though Drogo didn't follow Miri's instructions, the Blood Riders blame her, because when in doubt, blame a woman. Blame a foreign woman and say she's a witch. That's what the Blood Riders do. They say you're a magi and you screwed over Carl Drogo, and so we're going to kill you now. Even though Drogo just didn't follow Miri Mazda's instructions. Uh, and so uh, Quotho smacks Mi uh, Miri Mazda. This is your work, Magi, he says. Uh, and he smacks Miri Mazda. A meaty smack, no less. If you're gonna, if you're gonna smack, it may as well be a meaty smack. Uh, and so Quotho hits Miri Mazda and kicks her. Uh, and Danny says, stop it. And then uh, Quotho says, no, man. Kicking isn't enough. Kicking and hitting isn't enough. Kotha then gives, like, a full paragraph of what he wants to do to Miri Mazda, and this is really intense. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. She's a, she's a witch, burner, burner, like the bloody Radiohead song. Um, yeah, um, and Kotha gives a really long description of what he wants to do to Miri Mazda, and it's quite disgusting, really. Uh, he says uh, he wants to stake her to the earth, uh, and have everybody rape her. Again, we have, like, uh, a kind of gratuitous rapey thing. He, sa he says that all of the Dothraki will rape Miri Mazda, and then all of the dogs will rape Miri Mazda, and then weasels will eat her entrails, and the crows will eat her eyes, and there'll be eggs in her womb from the flies and pus and breasts, and re really quite an unpleasant description uh, of what Quotho wants happening to Miri Mazda. So that in itself is quite gross. Um, and then Jorah steps forward and says, Oi. Oi. Not cool. Uh, because Kotha even threatens Danny. So J Jorah's like, man, this is the Khaleesi. You can't fuck with her. I'm defending her. Um, and then Kotha says, well, she might be the Khaleesi now, but the moment that Drogo dies... Yeah, I couldn't read your name because, because the text color is wrong. I'll have to fix that. Anyway, um, and so... And so Jorah's like, no, I'm going to defend Danny. But the but the Blood Riders like, the moment Drogo dies, she ain't shit, and I'm killing her though. Um, and then and then, 
and then Jorah plays a Hellas Mullen and says, I think that one doesn't like you. I think that blood rider that just threatened to kill you. Danny, hey Danny, Danny, I think he doesn't like you, Jorah says, ever so helpfully. Um, uh, and Danny sort of draws strength from her identity as a Targaryen, and she says, she's like, even if I'm not Khaleesi anymore, I'm still the blood of the dragon, so fuck you, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, you can't hurt me. Uh, so Danny is defiant. When she when she can't use her Dothraki identity for strength, she falls back uh, on her Targaryen identity, whichever uh, gives gives her the most use. Danny herself is is a bit of a chameleon as well, just like Jorah. Just like how Jorah adopts the Dothraki clothing when it's useful, Danny adopts the Targaryen or Dothraki identity depending on whichever's most helpful for her in her current situation, which. Uh, is uh, a smart chameleon thing to do. Uh, and then Danny says, uh, by the way, I feel a bit of a fight going on. I feel a bit of conflict going on. Uh, so you know what, uh, Jorah, I reckon you better go put your armor on and, and get your sword and get ready for a fight. So Jorah does. Um, and so he goes off. Um, and then Danny turns to Marie Master and says, look, all right, uh, I need you to save. I need you to save Drogo. Uh, and then... Uh, Miriam Astor is like, well, I would, but I can't, mate. This Drogo is far beyond a healer's skills. Like, there's nothing I can do for him. Uh, sorry, mate. Uh, he's he's clearly been drinking milk of the poppy, Miriam Astor notes. So Miriam Astor notices that Drogo has not been following the doctor's orders, and that seems to be part of why he's not well. Again, uh, supporting the idea that Miriam Astor really did try uh, to look after Drogo to heal Drogo. Um, and... Uh, and, yeah, Miriam Asdur describes how her healing, uh, poultice was meant to work. Uh, but she says that, look, now it's, it's too late. Like, we can't just make another poultice. Like, this wound is super infected and Drogo's gonna die. The best we can do is make his death painless. There's, there's not much else I can do. Um, and then, and then Danny has a bit of a sort of teenage, well, not, uh, not, human moment is what she has uh, and she and she experiences the grief over what's happened to Drogo and asks herself why are the gods so cruel um why are the gods so cruel why is this happening to me just when I was in a good situation just when I was feeling love and hope everything's taken away from me it's a bit like Cersei in all of her experience of almost having a good situation and having it taken away and denied uh, although of course um <laughs> you know the slaves are probably thinking the same thing uh, all of all of those thousands of slaves of the Lazarene who were taken from their homes by the invading Dothraki, they were also probably thinking, why are the gods so cruel? But here Daenerys, who is in the more privileged position, is thinking, why is my life so hard? But, you know, she's losing her husband. Let's not belittle her suffering. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, she says, woe is me, why are the gods so cruel? And then Miriam Asdur says, well, actually... I think I might have an offer for you. You want some death sticks? Mary Mazda says. She's like, all right, look, I mean, healing arts probably couldn't do it, but but you know what could? Little bit of the old magic. Little bit of the old blood magic. Bit of those dark incantations, man. Ever, 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 ever huffed magic? Ever, ever, ever snorted, ever snorted a spell? Ever, ever huffed a hex? Ever done that? You want to try? You want to try a little bit of magic? She's like a drug dealer who like emerges from an alleyway and says, "What do you want? I can, I can get it. You want to inject a whole marijuana, a marijuana? We can do it, man. Oh, I got, I got the magic, bruh. 
Uh, and Danny's like, shit, well, if it can save Drogo, we gotta do it. Fucking drug me up, Scotty. Like, give me what you got. Give me your best drugs. I need your strongest potions. What's that from? I need your strongest potions. I need your most potent blood magic, Danny says, if that's what we need to save Drogo. Um... Uh, and so, and so Miramis is like, all right, let's fucking do it. Cause I, I know the, the, the dark magic shit, man. I learned dark magic in a shy from a blood mage from the Shadowlands. I know all about dark, hard. She actually describes it as dark and hard, uh, is the kind of magic that she's going to use to save Drogo. Some would say that death is cleaner, but if you're ready to get down dirty, uh, we can get you better. Um, and so Danny's like, do it, let's do it. If there's no other way, let's do it. Uh, I'm not afraid, I'm a Targaryen, uh, so let's do it. Uh, but Maj- but Miriam Mazdoe says, well, there's a price, you know. I'm not just giving these drugs out for free. You know, I'm a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneurial drug dealer, and there's a price. Well, that's what Danny interprets. But Miriam Mazdoe says, well, no, 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 by price, I don't mean money. I don't mean horses. I don't mean food. What I'm saying uh, is that I, uh, the magic itself as it cost something more immaterial, something more metaphorical, but something uh, no less significant. There is a cost to this blood magic incantation. Uh, and so, and, and, and Mary, Mary Mastur says that the cost is death, because only death can pay for life. Uh, and Danny's like, shit, my death? So for a moment, Danny thinks, wow, do I have to die to keep Drogo alive? I'll do it. I'll do it. Um... Which is like, damn, apparently Danny would die for her husband. Her husband who who raped her several times and who she was given to as part of a shitty marriage ceremony arranged by her brother in Illyrio. Danny, for a moment, in her head, is like, yeah, I'll die for Drogo. I'll do it. Which is like, damn. But then Marie Mastur says, no, not your life. Um, but there's also another important line here. Uh, so Danny reflects how, yeah, I would totally die for Drogo, but she thinks about how Rhaegar had died for the woman he loved. Uh, the implication being that Rhaegar loved Lyanna Stark and died for her on the Trident. Uh, so that 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 in itself is fascinating. One of the big questions of A Game of Thrones is what was the relationship between Rhaegar and Lyanna? Did Rhaegar abduct and rape Lyanna, or were the two in love? Or something perhaps more complicated, something in between, we, we don't know. But Danny at least seems to think that Rhaegar loved Lyanna, uh, and presumably she heard that from Viserys. So, who knows if that's true. Um, honestly, Viserys probably doesn't know shit. I mean, let's be honest. Like, Viserys was a kid uh, at Dragonstone. Um, and apparently everything Danny knows about Rhaegar, she heard through Viserys. So when Daenerys claims that Rhaegar loved Lyanna, I don't think we can uh, necessarily believe it. I think that should be taken with a pinch of salt. But it should also be taken with a great big heap of salt, the entire shaker of salt, uh, when Robert says what he thinks about the relationship between Rhaegar and Lyanna. So the simple truth about Rhaegar is, I think, at this point that we don't know, but uh, maybe we'll find out some more, and maybe that Alt-Shift-X uh, channel will be on the case. Um, anyway, so uh, Miriam Mazdoa says, no, I don't mean your death. There will be a death necessary. Uh, there will be a death necessarily for this magic, but it won't be yours. And so Danny's like, okay, great, then do it. 
Which is kind of funny, isn't it? Kind of irresponsible to go death. Well, as long as it's not mine, go right ahead. Go right ahead, sir. Do some killing. Uh, Danny is just like, okay, life is necessary, but it's not mine, so let's do it. Uh, but what what Danny doesn't realize is that the life, uh, as we will soon le- learn, is going to be Rago's. Uh, Danny's unborn child will be the life that's necessary to make Drogo alive. Um, so that is not what the bargain that Danny had in mind. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, so Danny's like, all right, let's do it. Um, and so Drogo, meanwhile, is still writhing and delirious and 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 screwed up and dying. Um, uh, but but Miriam Mazdaz says, all right, we're going to start the process. We're going to do some fucking dark ass, dank ass, magical resurrection shit. Uh, and she says, all right, bring in bring in his horse. We need we need the horse's blood. Uh, so we're not fucking around with the blood magic here. Blood magic is surprisingly literal. Uh, the two main ingredients in blood magic are indeed blood and magic. Uh, it's it's the recipes right in the name, uh, which which is always good. It's like apricot chicken. Do you guys ever cook apricot chicken? The best thing about apricot chicken is because the recipe's in the name. If you know what apricot chicken is, you know how to make it. You get apricot and you get chicken. It's exactly the same thing with blood magic. All you need is blood and magic, then you're golden. Uh, so let's continue. So uh, the blood riders come back in, and they're like, uh, you know what? Not not really big on the whole blood magic situation, actually. Think that's a little bit uh, evil and abominable, actually, to be frank. Not a big fan uh, of the blood magic. Uh, I, I would actually rather kill the witch. I'd rather burn the witch. You must not do this. This is blood magic. It's forbidden. Let's not do it. Uh, but but then Danny starts to rationalize and justify doing the blood magic. She's like, well, first of all, I'm Khaleesi, so I say that it's not forbidden. I make the rules around here, so blood blood magic's cool. On my watch, everyone can do some blood magic. It's great. Um, and uh, also, remember that one time when Carl Drogo killed a horse and then I ate the horse's heart to give the sun strength and courage? That was kind of blood magic. Like, it was pretty bloody. I tasted a lot of fucking blood doing that. That was blood magic, so this is just the same thing. That I mean, now it's a slippery slope into blood magic, right? I mean, it, it's it's a gateway drug. Danny did that, that low-level blood magic, eating the horse heart. Now she's down to some of the harder stuff, the harder drugs, the harder blood magic. That's a result of taking the gateway drug of the horse heart. Horse hearts are a gateway drug. Don't do horse hearts, kids. Don't don't huff hearts. Um, and so they start the process of the blood magic. Um, the Carl is looking very unwell. Blood and pus all over him. He's in the bath. Um, and Miriam Mazda pulls out a knife that has ancient glyphs on it, and she uses the knife to cut Drogo's horse's throat. Inside the tent, they open the stallion's throat, and blood pours out of him in a, in a red rush. Everything's covered in blood, uh, and horse blood swirls into the waters of Drogo's bath, uh, which is not, not what most people do when they have a relaxing bath. You normally don't add gallons of stallion blood, uh, but don't knock it till you try it, I suppose. Some might say that, you know, a bit of a a bit of a bath bomb, a bit of lavender oil, a bit of something nice in the bath would make sense, but in this case, they're chucking in a whole bunch of uh, stallion blood. Um, and we go to the next page. Uh, and Miriam Mazdur says to burn the corpse of the horse, 
uh, and um, and there's blood everywhere. Uh, and Miramester lights a candle that gives off a, gives off a spicy scent. Um, the candles and scented candles actually recur throughout A Song of Ice and Fire. The faceless men have some interesting candles that give off some weird scents. Scented candles are often part of magic in Westeros. It's interesting. Um, and and this particular scented candle seems to be a part of this ritual that's being used to resurrect Drogo. Um, anyway, so Danny's starting to freak out. Uh, Danny started to be terrified. She's filled with fear, but she fears that she's gone too far to turn back now which which is which is how all the worst stuff happens doesn't it it's always a slippery slope uh what what, what what's the old saying the 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 road to the road to evil is is paved with 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 horse blood and it's real slippery and you slip and slide down the horse blood right into the metaphorical swimming pool of evil no one ever no one ever is born going like i'm gonna do some evil let's do some nasty things they always like oh shit i have to do this because the last thing i did and then i'm on the slippery slope and well this one's okay because of the previous thing that i did and it keeps escalating from there and then you end up with you know disasters that's how shit goes down isn't it so Danny thinks that it's too late to turn back now, and so she continues with the ritual. Um, and Miriam Mazdo says, all right, all right, we're going to start the next phase of the magic, man, and it's going to be ugly, it's going to be serious. We're waking powers old and dark here, man. The dead will dance. Shit's getting real. It's going to be a rave uh, of, of the dead, like a, like a necromantic house party. It's going to be a fucking mess, mate. Uh, you're not going to want to see this. Um, and yeah, good point. Uh, is it Jack? Jack Wood. Great name, Jack Wood. Uh, but Jack Wood suggests, yeah, that Randall Tarley also made Sam bathe in blood. Uh, which is interesting. Bathing in... this is So there are multiple instances of bathing in blood uh, in Westeros. In, in Randall Tarley's case, Randall made Sam bathe in blood in order to uh, be stronger. Which is, you know, not at all dissimilar to what's happening here. Uh, because in here, uh, the Miriam Asdur bathes Drogo in horse blood to make him stronger. She actually explicitly says, uh, like, let let the horse's strength go into Drogo. Um, so yeah, what Randall was doing was actually very similar to this fucking uh, blood magic that used by Miriam Asdur. Um Which is interesting in a bunch of reasons. Like, if it if it sort of worked with Miriam Asdur, why didn't it work with Randall? Why didn't that, that blood magic ritual... Uh, on Samuel Tully, make Samuel stronger. Um, magic seems inconsistent and weird in a Game of Thrones. Maybe it's partly because um, the, uh, Samuel Tully's bloodbath would have happened uh, perhaps like years before the start of the main series, which was before uh, magic started growing stronger in Westeros, because magic is growing stronger throughout the series, although that mostly happened after the birth of the dragons. Uh, and Miriam Asdur's resurrection of Drogo happens before the dragon, so the timeline, as ever, is a bit hazy. But anyway, yeah, multiple bloodbaths, literal bloodbaths, interesting, spooky, indeed, spookery. Um, all right, so um, so they're doing the ritual, and and Miri says you need to leave. Uh, you don't want to be inside to see this. Uh, I'm going to do the magic. It's going to be hardcore. Uh, don't don't stick around. And so Danny's like, all right, I'll wait outside. <laughs> I'll just sit in the waiting room while the while the hideous blood magic happens, like you're sitting in the waiting room of the dentist while your mate's getting all of his molars pulled out or something. Um, 
And there's a crowd outside now. People have noticed there's, that there's a bit of a commotion happening inside Drogo's tent, uh, what with all of the horses being murdered and the Carl falling off his horse and all the crazy shit that's happening, and Danny is leaving scarlet footprints behind her, what with all the blood. And so Jorah comes up and says, Oh, God, what the fuck are you doing, mate? What is going on? What have you done, you fool? Jorah says. Uh, because Jorah's plan was to, was to hoof it, was to get out of there quickly and quietly before things go bad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Danny, Danny goes straight to the blood magic. Uh, and yeah, Space, Space Potato, uh, asks an interesting question. Isn't it weird that Randall Tarly hated wildlings and, and hated effeminate men and hated anything that was, like, not within his narrow conception of, of the way people should be, and yet Randall was apparently uh, totally down with blood magic and warlocks and stuff. That's that's a really good question. I, I would suggest, I suppose, that, that Randall's desperation uh, to make Sa- Sam a manly man just override all of his other desires and, 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 and leniencies, and so he was, um, for that reason, happy to go with the blood magic and stuff. Um, but yeah, it does seem a bit inconsistent. You'd think that he would, um, only go by more conventional means to train Sam, but I suppose since those conventional means failed, he was willing to try, um, he was willing to try the more extreme fruity magical shit. Uh, Rand- Randall is indeed a racist, and indeed your comments are on screen. Um... Alright, so uh, there's a crowd watch, standing and watching the show. It, it's a pretty entertaining show, if a terrifying one, uh, as Miriam Asdur begins to do the magic inside the tent. Um, and Jorah's like, man, we could have just run away. We, we could have gone to a shy. It could have been great. It would have been a great spin-off show. It would have been hilarious. Great ratings for HBO. It would have been mad. Um, but Danny's like, mm, nah, sorry, I want to stay with Drogo. Uh, and if you're dedicated to me, you will stay and help. And then Miriam Asdur starts to starts to ululate. Is that how you say it? Ululate? She starts to wail uh, as part of this, like, magical shit, and all the Dothraki are like, man, this is bad. This is a worry. Um, They're not a big fan of the blood magic. And Miriam Asdur is dancing, and she is not alone. There are fucking nasty-ass spirits in the tent, um, and not the alcoholic kind, but in fact the necromantic kind, which is the worst kind uh, of spirits. Uh, Miri Mazdur, putting the romantic back into necromantic since, since 3301 AAC. Um, and, um, and the Blood Riders come back, uh, Hago and Kaholo, uh, and they've also got some of the eunuch blokes, and they're like, man, this isn't cool. This, this must not be. And then Danny says, this must be. We've got to do the magic. It's going to be great. But the Blood Rider's like, no, nah, this is not cool. And Koholo, who used to be nice to Danny, spits right in Danny's face and says, Kotho says, Danny, you're going to die. You're a witch. You're going to die. But first we're going to kill Miri Mazda. So he goes into the tent, but then Jorah is like, nah. Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you from doing that. But Kotho also pushes over Danny, and Danny like lands on her pregnant belly, uh, which seems to about to trigger the other thing that's about to happen, which is Danny's waters breaking, and and shit starts to get really fucking real. And then um and then the Dothraki are fighting, um so Quaro fights Quatho, uh, and Quatho kills Quaro, uh poor poor young Quaro. And then Jorah pulls out his sword and says, Yo, horse lord, try me. It's like fucking Waymar Royce with the White Walker 
fucking come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Like that's what that's what Jorah says to Quotho, and he's like, "Fight me, mate." Um, and so they start to fight, and Jorah does have the advantage of you know chainmail, proper armor against this like semi-armed uh, Dothraki. He's got his Iraq though, so they fight, and sparks fly as their weapons clash. Um, Jorah gets pretty injured, semi-seriously, um, but then but then Quotho's Iraq like, enters Jorah's flesh, like, he strikes against Jorah's hip, but the, but the Iraq apparently gets caught in Jorah's bone, which gives Jorah the opportunity to kill Quotho with, with a blow from his longsword, which is a pretty metal way to win a fight, having your enemy's weapon literally stuck inside your bone, that's, that's, that seems to be what the, um, what, what the, uh, what the book suggests, uh, apparently, Apparently, ululating is an expression of joy in one commenter's culture. Man, that's interesting. I suppose it depends how you ululate. I mean, it's like singing. Singing can be, mean lots of different things. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Jorah manages to defeat Quotho. Uh, and then uh, Danny, meanwhile, her waters are breaking. So really, every, every possible thing that could... Every, every crisis that could possibly be happening is all happening at once. Danny starts to give birth. Miri Mazdur is performing a blood magic ritual to resurrect the fallen Karl Drogo. Uh, and, 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 there are, and there are fires all around. There are literal fires. And the Dothraki are starting to fight. A, bun- a bunch... It's like, some of the Dothraki are, like, on... Uh, on... Uh, on like Jorah and Danny's side, and some of them are against Miriam Asdur, and so the Dothraki are killing each other. Someone throws a stone at Danny because indeed the, the the traditional punishment is to stone witches to death, isn't it? Um, and so people are attacking Danny. Dothraki are attacking each other. Jorah's fighting. Everything's going fucking crazy, and Danny starts to feel regret uh, about her actions. She says the price is too high. Danny says so. She's like, damn, I probably shouldn't have taken Miriam Asdur's bargain. Uh, everything is going terribly wrong. Some people. Are leaving the Kalasar because they're like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here, I'm gonna start my own Kalasar with blackjack and hookers, they're just riding the fuck out of there, people are running away, the crowd is dispersing, fires are starting, people are attacking one another, and all above this, Miriam Asdur is ululating, and the shadows are whirling, and then Danny's like, holy shit, I'm starting to give birth, she convulses, and the pain is taking her, and Jorah is missing half of his ear after his fight with Gwotho, um, and Danny's giving birth, and it's like, holy shit, this is a problem. And she feels as though Rago, her unborn child inside her, has a knife in each hand, uh, hacking to cut his way out. Uh, she feels as though Rago, Rago's fucking biting his way through. Um, and um, and Jorah's like, all right, look, uh, the only option we got, we got to look after Danny when she's giving birth. She's a fucking fourteen-year-old girl giving birth. That's that's going to be a challenge. We need uh, fucking medical attention while Danny's giving birth. Everything's going so wrong. Um, and so uh, and so the Magi, Miri Mazdo, the Lamb Woman, she's the only person here who who can help with the birth because all of the other birthmaids have fucking run off as soon as all this blood magic stuff st- started happening. So we got to get Miri Mazdo and we got to get her to look after Danny. But right now. Miri- Master's conducting a blood magic resurrection ritual on Drogo. Everything's happening at once. Ah, and then dramatically, Jorah picks up Danny, and Danny's saying, like, no, 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 you should not interrupt the blood magic ritual. Do not interrupt Miriam Master. But she's like convulsing and giving birth, and so she can't talk properly. And Jorah just picks her up and walks towards the tent where the dancers and the darkness and the blood magic is happening, and then Jorah carries her into the tent. Damn. 
That's cool, eh? I think I, I think there's a really good sense of, of of rising dramatic tension and climax going on uh, in that chapter, and I hope I was able to convey that. It is a pretty fun chapter, a pretty eventful chapter, and I think now's an appropriate place to have a glance at the uh, at the Reddit highly voted questions. Um, uh, 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 so, didn't really succeed in the goal of sort of responding to these in a sort of natural, flowing way during uh, the episode, but we'll respond now to the most highly voted uh, Reddit questions and comments. Um, so, so we had uh, we had Mosa 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 Mosa's question uh, about whether Miri Mazda uh, was responsible for Drogo's illness, and yeah, I think it does seem like a pretty reasonable. Um, conclusion that Miri really was attempting to heal Drogo. She gave him this particular poultice that was meant to heal him and gave him instructions about don't drink uh, and don't take painkillers and and Drogo didn't follow the instructions. So it hardly seems Miri's fault. I mean, if Miri did want Drogo to get sick, why would she tell him not to drink and not to use painkillers? Surely, I mean, surely those things are actually bad for him, presumably. So so yeah, Mosa Mosa Mosa, I reckon Miri Mosa probably uh, w- was innocent uh, of a Drogo's illness. I think that was probably not his fault. And yeah, we had those uh, great, great points by uh, Azeli and by uh, Subject X about how the whole Jorah the Andal thing is probably a misconception uh, from the Dothraki. Um, and uh, and we have a donation from uh, 3spookud5me uh, who wants to hear Choke Me Daddy. Uh, so there you go. Thank you for your donation, I think. Um, and uh, and Chief Bloodhoof uh, asks about... Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with Chief Bloodhoof that this chapter is one of the most overtly, like, magical and demonic sort of chapters. Because um, Game of Thrones is, like, steeped in, in magic and in uh, all sorts of crazy shit happening. But most of the time, it's it's not overt. Most of the time it's just mentioned, or it's just subtle. Uh, it's only really in that first prologue of A Game of Thrones that we first go, holy shit, that is an ice demon right there. I can see it. Uh, it's like in the horror movies, where most of the time, um, I mean, in the best horror movies, you don't see the monster right away, right? You only see glimpses of the monster. Um, and, um, and and it's only towards the end that you start to see a little bit. Like an alien. You barely see the alien in the first alien movie. Um, at least not towards the end. And I think uh, George R. Martin plays magic in the same way um, in this, um, where you, you only see little glimpses of magic most of the time, uh, which makes it seem all the more special and all the more threatening and all the more important when you actually do finally see it. So, yeah, this is a very magical uh, chapter. Um, Ms. Midge, Midge Tints? Man, you all, you guys all have very difficult to pronounce names. Midge Tints uh, asks about the hatching of Danny's dragons in the pyre uh, and whether that was due to the sacrifice of Miriam Asdoya or because Danny walked in. Um, I think we'll talk about that in the chapter when it happens, probably. Um, but I I don't know. I, I, it's it's probably a combination of Drogo's death, Miriam Asdoya's death, Rego's death, Danny's walking into the pyre. I, I suspect that all of those things combined in some profoundly significant magical event because um, you can combine it, right? It doesn't have to be just one answer. 
um, just one thing that made the magic happen. It could be a combination. We see that in uh, The Forsaken when Euron Greyjoy gets all these priests and all of these innocents and this pregnant lady, Felia Flowers, and, and his brother, Aaron Dampere, and you get all these people together, and it's their combined sacrifice that makes the most powerful magical things happen. So this might be similar. There's, there's a combination of a lot of things together um, that, that made Danny's Dragons hatch. But yeah, I think we'll talk that again, uh, talk about that later on. Um, Simon Schrauber asks, what do you think Blood Rider Seppuku looks like? Um, well, well, given that they have that curvy Iraq, I imagine that opens a lot of possibilities in terms of uh, sort of s scooping and, you know, like melon scoopers. You could probably do some creative things with your viscera there if you wanted to. Or maybe, as Simon suggests, they could just ride their horse off a cliff. Pr do yeah doesn't dwell to think about Dothraki's suicide techniques, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that concludes this episode. A Game of Thrones abridged on Alt-Swift-X. I think this Reddit thing sort of works, so I think we'll try and do more of that in the future. I think the goal is to have the sort of chit-chat in the YouTube chat. I think that's a good place to have just general sort of banter. Uh, whereas if you have like a specific relevant... Uh, question or comment, I think it makes sense to put that on the Reddit, and then you guys can upvote it, and then I can see it, and then I can respond to it. The goal uh, is to have the live stream running in a way that's sort of coherent and not too distracted, um, but also have some input from you guys. That's that's the goal, I think. Um, and so I think we'll refine it over these next, these next, like, what, like, six six or eight chapters that are left in this first book of Game of Thrones. It's crazy that we've gotten this far, and I think uh, we'll get even further. I think we'll finish this first book of Game of Thrones uh, fairly soon. There will be more impromptu chapters soon, I think. Uh, so, thank you all for coming. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, go check out uh, the various little community pages, uh, and have a lovely day. Uh, and, and again, thank you for the donation from Three Spoon Good Five Me. All right, cheers.